0: This episode of Life's a Garden is brought to you by coffee. I can't start my day without it. Gives me that morning kickstart. Fuels me up for the day. Gets you that dark roast hitter. The brand I like to drink is Black Rifle Coffee. It's a veteran-owned company, and every bag you purchase, they send a bag overseas to troops. You can say I'm addicted. It's like a drug to me. And today's guest knows a thing or two about drugs. He is the host of his YouTube channel called Reflections of a Junkie, where he talks about his life dealing with addiction and promotes recovery. He is running Eight Years Clean, which is about as long as I've known him. And due to the nature of his content, he likes to work under a level of anonymity. So we will call him by his YouTube name. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, G-Man.
1: What's up, doggy? Not much. Uh, Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, Let's just get right into it, man. Sure. Reflections of a junkie uh tell us what the um content is all about like what your goal is with it just everything just give us a rundown on on the channel
1: yeah so i had always kind of wanted to do something on youtube but i had never really figured out what i should do um i thought about starting maybe a homesteading channel but you know that's been done a million times And then I thought about, you know, a drug or addiction based channel. And I saw that that had been done a lot. But I realized there weren't really any channels that were based primarily on methadone maintenance treatment. And the ones that did exist were real, you know, white lab coat, clipboard, you know. Right. And so I figured. If I could start a channel about opioid addiction and uh, recovery from that, with a uh, with an angle of of seeing eye to eye with with the users out there, I felt like that would be a, a good niche to get into.
0: Okay, um, so give us a brief rundown. Doesn't have to be too detailed about like you when you like going through San Diego, coming here um and just the whole just as far as addiction and things that you
1: yeah got into
0: and stuff like that just a cr- a brief breakdown of all that
1: yeah so um california is like the land of dope yeah <laughs> that's kind of what i would refer it to it's uh it's a great place to be if you got a lot of money and you like to party it's not a great place to be if you want to raise a family so I started getting into drugs when I was about uh 13ish, um smoking pot, drinking all that fun stuff. But uh towards the end of high school I started to develop a uh, serious problem with uh pills. I was a uh, part of the OxyContin explosion. I guess uh they were referred to as the Oxy Kids, right? I okay. was an Oxy Kid. Um turned into a heroin addiction. Um was trapped in that for probably about seven years and then uh, I moved up here to Montana Um, and I'm sure you remember when I first got here you know yeah um, not not too sure about where I was going to do or anything like that but you know it it worked out really well for me Um, I made it clean about 10 months I started dabbling and then I decided okay you know what before I train wreck I better better do something about it so I got on methadone and I've pretty much been on it for about 8 years now. And uh yeah, that's a nutshell basically of my history with drugs.
0: Right on. Um yeah, it's I was just thinking about the other day when about how we met and it's like so just just for everybody I had just went to San Diego, right? I went to Uh, chargers game right and i i was currently working at mcdonald's right or nannies, as we like yeah nannies. yeah and then um you had just started like literally that week right you just moved here that uh right then
1: right as crazy
0: as it is like this is just a, a weird happening of coincidence right and then I start talking about San Diego, how I was just there. Or you, you were like, yeah, I'm from San Diego. I was like, oh, shit, I was just there. Right. And
1: and I'm like, yeah, we went down for a Chargers game. And you're like, dude, I worked at the stadium. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was a real big coincidence. Just the fact that, uh, you know, we randomly met working at Nani's and uh, – yeah, we were actually at the same stadium, like 1,500 miles away, three weeks prior. That was definitely yeah. definitely kind of a weird, weird chance event there, definitely.
0: Yeah, just uh, definitely a small world coincidence type thing. Yeah. <clears throat> and definitely. then I remember telling you about, like, you know, Mission Valley or whatever, yep. and all the yep. different stuff, and you're like, oh, yeah, I've run that spot. Like, yeah. I, I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about.
1: Oh, yeah, oh, yeah.
0: So that uh, it was just funny to, to think about all that and how that all started out?
1: Yeah, man. You know, um, those are those were real fun times to look back on when we were working at Nani's, you know? Oh, 100%. Like,
0: like it's not. it wasn't the most glamorous job, but you know what? Like, a job's a job, and, and we had a fun time. Yeah,
1: man. We had a lot of fun, and you know... One Met a lot the, of good people. One of the big things I couldn't believe um, working there was the fact that I got hired, you know, like that, and... I think it was like ten fifty or eleven bucks an hour. Right. And I mean that is just unheard of where I'm from. I mean if you're gonna flip burgers, it was the minimum wage, which I think it was like seven twenty five or something like that in California when I moved here. Maybe a little higher. I'm not sure, but yeah, I felt like I was on top of the world. I mean I got. A, I remember one, one pay period. I think I had like a nine hundred and eighty dollar paycheck from McDonald's, and I mean that just blew me away. Right, and
0: um, so getting back on the, on the drug stuff, just so everyone knows, explain what methadone is.
1: Alright, so methadone is a synthetic opiate or opioid that was uh, synthesized during World War II. Um, it was actually synthesized by uh, the Nazis because they needed a painkiller where they wouldn't need... Um, opium to create it because the Allied had put uh, embargo on them. Think about how cruel that is. They wouldn't let them get opium to give their dying soldiers some some peace, right? Right. But anyways, being the Germans and their good engineering, they said, okay, screw you, we'll figure it out. And they did. They created methadone. I want to say it was made in like 1939, 1940, um, and it kind of just sat on the shelves for many years. And uh, then in New York in the 60s, a doctor was looking for a long-acting opioid drug that he could dispense as a replacement for heroin or pill addicts. And he dusted off the books and found methadone and he tried it and it worked really well. and. Uh, Yeah, it's been FDA-approved in the United States for the treatment of opioid dependence for over 50 years now. Um, Basically, it's... A lot of people criticize methadone because they say, oh, you're just trading one drug for another. And, well, yeah, you are, but, you know, I mean, it is what it is, and I think if somebody can go to the clinic and uh, get what they need in a controlled environment dispensed by a doctor dispensed by a place that's monitoring their health holding them accountable you do have to take a urine analysis test and if you keep popping dirties they'll kick you out you know they'll tell you okay you're not ready to behave yet that's fine but you know come back when you're ready Um and yeah you know uh, methadone maintenance treatment is probably one of if not the most controversial aspect of recovery in the recovery world Um, a lot of people will say you're not clean if you're on methadone and a lot of people think being on methadone is clean Um, I personally don't really consider it either all I know is I'm not out on the streets trying to get dope and I'm home with my family working providing for them. So to me it doesn't matter if I'm clean or not. I just know that my life is much better now than it was on heroin. And you know, I I don't think that methadone is something that oh, I've been hooked on these pills for a couple weeks and I don't know if I can make it. I like, that's not that's not a good uh candidate for methadone. A good candidate for methadone is somebody who has kicked opiates multiple times, perhaps even made a gigantic geographic change, has tried multiple rehabs and just can't seem to do it. That's a good candidate for methadone.
0: Right. Well, and um there seems to be, like, a lifestyle that comes along with the heroin addiction. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know. But <clears throat> it's almost like with methadone, you don't have that, I got to go, you know, hunt it down. Like, right. get my get my buddies. We're all hanging out together, shooting dope. Like, I don't know exactly because I've never been in that world. Mm-hmm. But...
1: No, that's, that's absolutely correct. Um, the reason... That I like methadone is like I touched on earlier is I'm not proud to admit it, but I can't seem to not do opiates. It doesn't matter what's at stake, it doesn't matter. It's disgusting, I know, but it is what it is. Um, but yeah, with the methadone, like I said, I've I've held the job I'm at. I'm not going to disclose where, but. I've held the job that I have now for, you know, eight years. About as long as I've been on methadone, and I've had a probably a a ninety-six percent stable marriage. Um, I feel like I'm a good father. Um, I'm a good employee. I'm a good friend. I'm a. I'm, it turned. It turned me from being a total gen, right? Total degen, into. A normal tax paying law abiding citizen, so for me it's almost kind of like how could anybody see that as a negative right
0: right well, I mean it's like I've known you for as long as you've basically been on it, you know, and you've you've proven yourself a very loyal person and you know not a not what I would describe as an addict
1: right, not your typical junkie right
0: so I have a first hand you know, account of that i've i've witnessed that from you so definitely for sure uh i would say you would be a good poster child for uh, methadone oh as, yeah as far as uh, this is the way to do it this is the way it should should uh, operate
1: right you know it's funny that you say that because uh at the clinic everybody who works there actually really likes me in fact there's kind of a joke that i'm a g man the anointed <laughs> <laughs> because I'm so polite, and uh, they, they do like to hold me up as a poster child, almost, if you will. Oh, I'm sure they have to deal with a lot of yes,
0: not-so-G-man-esque uh, people.
1: Yeah, you know, it's really frustrating there. Um, I'm actually kind of... One positive thing about wearing the masks with all the COVID nonsense is... Uh, I get to just hide my face because, you know, I really cannot stand having to go to that place. And it's not because I feel ashamed to be on methadone. That's not it at all. Um, It's more because I just don't want to deal with the other people there because so many of them, they, they just, I feel like they don't get it, right? I see the way some people treat the clinic workers. And it's just the epitome of biting the hand that feeds you, right?
0: Right. Well, and you've had... <clears throat> I know you've
1: had issues with, with people coming up to you before, too, that noticed you in the clinic, right? Absolutely. That's another big drawback. In fact, uh, you know, at the clinic, they like to call people by their first names. And I get it. They want it to be uh, laid back and more comfortable for some people. But I've actually had to tell the workers there, hey just call me by my id number or just say hey but yeah don't don't say my name in front of other people here because yeah man i'll i'll never forget it too it's it's funny you mentioned that i have kind of an interesting story real quick on that is uh one time i was with uh michael our buddy Sodhead, right mm-hmm. and uh we were at holiday or no we were at albertsons and I could have sworn I saw a kid from the clinic riding a bike out front. And I was like trying to kind of look down and I tucked my hat way down. And, you know, Michael was like, what are you doing? And uh, when we got in the store, got into the Albies, I told him, hey, I'm pretty sure that dude was from the clinic. And uh I hate bumping into people because they'll come up to you and they'll start talking about that kind of shit. And... uh I'm not cool with that, especially if I'm with, you know, my boss or, God forbid, with my wife and kid, which has happened. Um, But anyways, me and Michael left the Albertsons, and it turned out it wasn't the kid that I thought it was. Uh But we left the Albertsons and we went into the holiday. Um, Michael wanted to get some gen beers, you know, some, some cousin strength fucking eight percenters, (laughs) and, <laughs> the Colt forty five, yeah, or exactly the Schlitz, yeah, or the the slurricane, right? <laughs> but um, anyways, we go into the holiday, and I'm not joking, man. While we're waiting in line, somebody from the clinic walks in, and comes up to me, and just in front of God and everybody else, goes, "Hey, how's the clinic treating ya?" And I was like, uh, "Fine, man. What up? You know, how you doing? Whatever." And looking down and and then literally in front of everybody goes do you sell it can you sell it like do you have some you could sell me and I told him I'd be like man I'm I'm not really into that and he was just you know he was hounding me about it and it got and he had some dude with him and they were both clearly intoxicated and uh, you know I could just see it going downhill quick and uh, luckily we were able to just purchase our beers and split, but yeah, it's it's not cool, man. Um, it's it's not cool, and you'd think there would be like a mutual understanding, like you know what I mean. It's almost like uh, when you see somebody at the sex shop or the porno shop, right? Yeah, you know, you're, you're not, not gonna, uh... right. If you see him again at Subway, you're not gonna walk up to him and go, "Hey, aren't you that guy that buys butt, man?" <laughs> or, hey, aren't you that guy that likes Hustler? Or, you, know, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Like, you just, you Out them right in front of everybody in the right, store. Yeah. Right, right. And, you know, one time at Albertsons, I was with my wife and my daughter and I had somebody come up and start talking about Doan and, yeah, it was just real uncomfortable and that one didn't go as smoothly as the one before um, but Luckily, I was able to tell him off, and I eventually had to just be like, "Dude, I'm with my family. Back the fuck up. You're, you're cramping our style a bit." And he got the message, but it's just really uncomfortable, you know.
0: Oh, for sure. I can I can imagine.
1: Um, let's go back to the channel.
0: So, channel is called "Reflections of a Junkie." So, anybody who wants to check that out, I'm gonna leave a link in the description. So uh make sure to go check that out. If you're fans of G-Man, subscribe to to this channel. I'm sure we'll have you back on at some point too uh, later on down the road. But um so the channel explain like all the content you'd
1: like to cover and sure. Um so again, um drugs have kind of become almost cliche on YouTube at this point. Um, So what I try to do is touch on things that I haven't seen anybody else do. Like, a lot of times what I'll do if I have a video idea is I'll search YouTube and see if it's been covered a million times or not. Because, sure, I could do a video called, like, What Does Heroin Feel Like? Yeah. But I bet if you typed that into YouTube, there's probably countless pages of people delving into that. So... So, what I like to do is cover things that haven't been covered, like one of the videos that I did was something that I hadn't seen touched on, was talking about dope partners and being in a dope crew, right? Mm -hmm. Which is basically just a group of friends who buy drugs and use drugs together, but there's a lot of interesting dynamics to that that people who may not be involved in that world would be interested in hearing about, you know? So I like to talk about that. Um, I like to talk about ways to get around a lot of the annoyances of being on methadone. Like uh, I did a I did a video on dope dreams and uh, what a dope dream is. And I guess we should call it a, u- a using dream because it's not just about dope. I'm sure alcoholics get it, I'm sure sex addicts get it or gambling addicts I'm sure they get it too but basically just a dream where you use your drug of choice and you wake up the next morning and then it's like you're boom seeking oh my god you know it's almost like it's almost like having a relapse even though you didn't do it you know what I mean you didn't do anything it's so I like to to create content that hasn't been covered or might be useful to addicts and might be informative to people who aren't addicts you know a lot of times i like to make videos geared towards you know i'll say if you or a loved one has this problem xyz you know sure um... and another another thing that i like to talk about is uh... is Why methadone shouldn't be looked on as such a bad thing, right? Like, my mom, she hates that I'm on methadone. She absolutely hates it. She's constantly giving me shit about it. You know, my parents helped us buy our home. And then at the last minute, my mom tried to come in and go, Oh, and by the way, you need to get off methadone or we're not going to do this. (laughs) And my wife and I were both kind of like, um, no, that's... Then I guess we're not doing it, I mean. Yeah, that's kind of a... Yeah.
0: Pull the rug out of under you type of move.
1: Right, right. Well, what's funny is I actually... Well, Well, I was just going to say, at the same time, like,
0: I can understand a mom's, you know... Right. Understand, like, she doesn't want you to be on anything, and it's still your mom, you know, she cares about you. Right. So you gotta... It's probably coming from a place of... Of love and caring. You know, I. But maybe not a place of understanding.
1: I struggle with how to view that because, in one way, I feel like it comes from her own guilt because I had expressed my difficulties with opiates to her. And I mean, she had caught me, and I'm not proud of this, but she had caught me stealing pills from her. I mean I don't even know how many times countless times and I almost feel like her wanting me to get off of methadone is it's almost like you know the guilt of her not uh, intervening in my blossoming addiction as a young man is her cross to bear and not mine you know what I mean Sure. But at the same time, like you said, I mean, that's mom. Mom's always going to want...
0: The best for you. And the
1: best. And, you know, I th- she doesn't see it this way, but right now being on methadone is what's best for me, I think, or else I wouldn't be on it.
0: Right. Yeah, I think you're a pretty, you know, self-aware kind of person. You understand what's, what's best for your, like, in your best interest, for the most part. Like, we're all human right. in that matter, but you're pretty pretty well aware of of your body and what's going to work for you and 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 you you genuinely seem like the type of person that wants to stay clean. I know there's a lot of addicts out there who talk the talk but they don't walk the walk right you know as much as they say they want to be clean right. they can't stop thinking about getting getting that next hit
1: right well yeah a lot of a lot of addicts, especially in the opiate world, a lot of junkies will really like to play up the woe is me oh I would quit this shit if I just could right they really like to play that up and lap it up but in my experience when you're when you're ready to try there are resources there um I'm not saying everyone can do it and I'm not saying that everyone who says I wish I could quit doing this but I can't is just playing it up. I mean, there's tons of people who do have a real hard time with it. But you're absolutely right. A lot of them like to talk that talk about god, I wish I could quit doing bomb. I want to get off of bomb so bad. Uh by the way, bomb is what we call heroin hmm. back home. Uh but yeah, I've heard it so many times. Oh, I got to quit. I got to quit smoking bomb or I got I got to get off bomb, but I can't. Um and you know it is hard but yeah a lot of them like to wallow in that I think that's a good way to put it victim mentality right exactly exactly it's it's out of my hands right
0: mm-hmm and you know like I said before where I've you know never really been in the the drug scene I've i but I grew up with a lot you know my family are a lot of addicts you know so I grew up seeing that. Like, I know what it can do to people, and like, it's hard for me to really sit here and know anything about it, having not done it, but I I can say from the outside perspective, I've seen a lot of addiction and all that stuff.
1: Yeah, I actually wanted to ask you, because like you, I also come from a family of addicts. I think literally every adult in my family... Is an addict like every single one of them, and uh, when I was younger, before I delved into drugs, I remember I would had I was first offered marijuana at nine or ten years old. Just goes to show you how wonderful California is. Exactly. But I was, uh, I was, you know, I was offered marijuana very young, and I always was like, no, 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 no way, no way, because I had seen my family members and all of that. And uh, I guess it was, for me, it was just a case of if you stay in the barber shop too long, you're going to get a haircut. And, you know, I got my haircut and I liked it. But I wanted to ask you is, uh, how were you, able, what do you think enabled you to not ever delve into drugs? Well, that's kind of,
0: it's kind of hard because I've changed my perspective on it a few times. Uh, for a long time, I... I dialed it up to, you know, I didn't want to be, like, my... any family member who has had to deal with it. Which, by the way, I should mention, you know, I don't know of any of my current family members that are addicted to any substance, besides maybe alcohol. Um, as far as I know. <laughs> but, you know, this is this is all in the past and right. whatnot. More of when I was growing up. Um, that So I always chalked it up to, you know, I don't want to be, like my mom or my dad, who ended up doing jail time for, maybe not necessarily for the drug aspect, but it was involved, and that lifestyle came along with a lot of that stuff. So, that's what I chalked it up to for a long time, is just not wanting to be like that. But, in reality, the more I think about it, and the more, like, as I've grown, it's definitely more because I just never had that itch. Like, I didn't start drinking till I was 23. Right. I, I, I remember. Yeah, I yeah. remember. I smoked weed for the first time when I turned 26. Yep. I'm I'm 27 now. So yep. it's like... You know, none of it really... And the only reason I even did those things... It wasn't because, you know... I just had this innate desire to like... You know, I... This craving. It was more like... I'm an, ad, I'm an adult. I can do this if I want. I made that conscious decision to do that. It wasn't like this, you know... Peer pressure or just like this this internal itch to to scratch
1: right right no that's great in fact uh i've always kind of said or thought at least that if you can make it to 25 without delving into that you're probably good for well, life you know
0: like i'm not positive on this but i i believe when you turn 20 like that's as when your brain you know is fully developed right and so to, to tamper with drugs and alcohol at a younger age, like the younger you go, the worse it is, you know? And so that can really mess up your, your development.
1: Absolutely, I know I've done a lot of damage to my body with drugs. Um, in fact, you know, the more that I've been thinking about it, you know, I'll, I'm 31, and in my entire adult life, I think I have maybe 11 to 14 months of sober time damn in my entire adult life so yeah you you know it's it's a shame too when you when you see young people you know abusing themselves like that and that's what I you know that's I don't it's it's weird I'm torn between kind of like the Libertarian mentality of drugs and the good for society mentality of drugs, where you know it's sure it's your body, your life, sure, but at the same time, um, whether people realize it or not, but your personal decision to use drugs nine times out of ten does negatively impact society.
0: That's actually funny that you brought that up because I wanted to ask you about this. What are you, what's your opinion about what Oregon did legalizing all uh, drugs?
1: I think it's a bad decision. Um, I think when you look at uh, Portugal, because Portugal actually did that too. In fact, Portugal did it a long time ago. I want to say they did it in like twenty thirteen or fourteen, mm-hmm. and. Uh, The reason they did it was because they had the highest HIV rate in Europe worse than Russia which really says something and uh, they wanted to quell that well in my opinion they probably could have quelled that with simply a needle exchange program but instead they went full blown legalization. And now I think... I think they did successfully reduce their HIV positivity rate, which is good. But, you know, now you've got a whole generation or two of Portuguese that are going to have some serious problems. I mean, I couldn't imagine walking into, you know, like a dispensary and being able to buy pure heroin (laughs) yeah, or crack. I mean, I just... I don't know. I don't see that as a a step forward.
0: And I know the argument on the positivity side of it is, you know, less crime as far as, like, illegal activity crime and less black market stuff, less unpeer stuff type thing. Right. And then also, and this is actually a decent argument that I kind of could get behind. Because didn't Sweden do it too? Is Sweden, or one of those scandinavian countries
1: it's probably Sweden, they seem to like to do everything that seems way out there right <laughs>
0: um, so the other aspect of it was that people aren 't afraid to ask for help because they 're not afraid of getting in trouble and that 's actually a pretty decent point I would say now here 's my thing about the Oregon situation you're we li- you know it's a state within a country, so what 's going to end up happening, and this is just my opinion i don 't know is they're going to get overrun with drug addicts that are just going to go there to f- basically um, so they don't get in trouble. Right, know? and then they're going to have seeking it. asylum from so they can do their do their dope and be be addicts without, you know, facing the consequences of it. Right, right. Just right. like in, in Colorado and and Washington when they legalized weed, you know, their their populations skyrocketed.
1: Because people were just like, oh, shit, like, let's... And I don't mean to be rude. I'm an addict, too, so I'm not talking shit entirely, but that migration of people is not really the type of people that are going to come and become, you know, model citizens.
0: Right. Well, and it's like, not necessarily to say that they might be violent, which there will be quite a few of those, but also you know pulling off the system you know right. you're going to see a huge number of those people that that aren't going to hold a job cuz it's not easy to hold a job when you're nodding off on Ron
1: yeah you can't uh you can't uh hold any type of meaningful job if you're going to be the sheriff of Nottingham and
0: <laughs> right yeah so i i just wanted to get your opinion on that cuz i'm i also I'm not a fan of it. I just think I get the arguments for it, but especially in
1: one state of this country. Right.
0: It's going to be a long road for them.
1: Yeah, it's it's actually kind of interesting how they're even able to do that considering those are federally illegal. Right. You know. Yeah. Um, I wonder how
0: they did get around that.
1: I I imagine they just figured all these states are legalizing weed, so why not? And I wanted to talk about the legalization of marijuana. Sure. Um, You know, I actually didn't support that for Montana. Um, I think when you look at Washington and Colorado, I think a lot of negative consequences came of that that not a lot of people like to talk about. Um... You know, and I'm sure I'm going to get this statistic wrong, so please bear with me. Um, but I want to say that they noticed fatal car accidents increase by 20 or 30-something percent. Damn. I mean, that's... I mean, people say marijuana's never killed anybody. Well, it killed plenty of people there, didn't it? Um. And this is with proven that they were high on... I believe, well, I don't know. I don't know, but I do know that after legalization they noticed fatal car accidents increased by 20 or 30 something percent. I don't remember if it was uh, Washington or Colorado, but, you know, it just goes to show you that, you know, uh, see, I like if you're going to legalize drugs, you should do it with a model kind of in my opinion how California and Montana did with their medical card uh system mm. I I like that where you go and you see a doctor you explain to him you know hey and I don't even think you should need a medical excuse but I just don't think it's okay for someone as soon as they hit twenty one to be able to walk into a store and buy crack cocaine. I just don't see that as a positive for our nation.
0: Right, but as far as marijuana I mean crack and marijuana are considerably different.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So, I mean
0: I'm not against the legalization of marijuana personally. Like it's it doesn't seem any worse than alcohol.
1: Oh, yeah, no, alcohol is way worse than pot I would agree exactly, with
0: that. and so it's like it's just hard to to argue that it shouldn't be when we have alcohol still available right for any and I don't know, I think the the idea of legalizing marijuana becomes a benefit more on the criminal aspect where people are getting locked up for marijuana right. when it's how is that even
1: right justifiable not, right absolutely. It's a plant absolutely um yeah again like I said I'm I'm not afraid to admit that I am extremely torn on the issue part of me my you know the libertarian part of me wants to say you know hey if there weren't all these drug laws then a lot of the negative consequences of the drug use would go away and that's true a lot of it would but that doesn't necessarily take away the social impact of it. I mean, look at the social impacts of alcohol. For sure. Look at how many people. That's true. Look at how many people die because of alcohol, either directly from liver, or kidney, or stomach issues, or indirectly, like drunk driving accidents. Yeah. You know? So it's just difficult. You know, as I'm getting older, and now that I have a child. I'm starting to care more about society as a whole versus individual liberty, so that's why you know I'm I'm real torn on the issue. I'm not afraid to say that I'm undecided on a lot of it. I guess. Right. Um.
0: One thing I always I mean I've always thought you're really good storyteller. On your channel, you do story what you call story time, right? Yep. And you tell. Like, t- how would you describe it?
1: Sure. So, every... I try to do it. It's not perfect, but about every third video or so, I'll do a story time, which is just for strictly entertainment purposes. Um I try to do a story time every third video. That way, I have double the serious content than I do the fun or entertaining content. Um... Do you got any stories? <laughs> like I know
0: I know I've heard probably most of them at this point. And I've been highly entertained by so many of them even though, you know, it's not to glorify right, the situations, but some of them are just too too I don't know, entertaining to
1: <laughs> Well, thank you. Thank you. Um
0: anything that comes to mind? For, yeah, in for fact, I was
1: I was thinking about what story I was going to tell and I actually told um my viewers in a video I haven't released yet, I'm going to release it tonight, is that I've thought of a good exclusive story that I would only tell here Okay. kind of bait people over, you know, sure. bait some of my fans over. And uh, this one is uh, not so much about drugs, but it, I think it's an interesting story nonetheless. Okay. Um, You want me to just go ahead and tell yeah. it? Let's Let's hear it. All right. So... Um, I want to say this is probably around 2011, maybe 2010, but I was uh, dating or seeing this uh, gal, she was uh, half white, half Mexican, and uh, she was one of those girls that like, she was cool with me fucking her, but she didn't want me to be the boyfriend, right? And at first, I was like, "Oh, well, she probably just wants to play the field, whatever, but I don't think that was the case because she would all she would call me every weekend, so I'm pretty sure I was the only dude she was seeing, but she had some kind of attachment issues um she well, she definitely had some issues, but we won't get into that um but anyhow, I remember I was at my stepbrother's uh house, and he was having a big old party." It was around Halloween. It wasn't quite Halloween, but it it was near that time. And I remember that specifically because there was a lot of people wearing costumes and stuff. And, uh, this girl calls me. And, uh, I'll just say her name. Screw it. Erica. I don't name drop on my channel, but I will on yours. Okay, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, this, uh, this girl Erica. I had been seeing her for, like, uh, about a year. And, uh... I was at this Halloween party, and she called me, and she goes, Hey, uh me and my cousin were going down to TJ, or for those that don't know, uh, Tijuana, Tijuana, Mexico. Um, We're going down to TJ, and I was wondering if you wanted to go. And honestly, my instincts were telling me no, 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 no. But I could hear a bunch of dudes in the background. So, you know. I knew if I don't go some other dudes gonna be poking on that and I'm not really cool with that you know (laughs) right so um, I said sure I'd love to go but in my head I was thinking you know just recently they had passed a law where you now would need a passport to enter the United States from Mexico if you were a US citizen. Uh, Before the law had been, if you had a state ID or a driver's license issued from a state that borders Mexico directly, you were good. So if you had a California, Arizona, New Mexico, or Texas ID or driver's license they would let you through. And I asked her I said well what about that law don't I need a passport or uh, my birth certificate or I mean am I good with just an ID and she said yeah I've been I do it all the time that doesn't take effect until January and I said okay yeah sure come get me let's go let's hit it let's do it and uh, so she swings by my stepbrother's house and uh, I can tell she's already kind of (laughs) faded i you know i probably was too i don't think i was that out of it but i may have had a little buzz going but i get in the car um it's her cousin her um one of their friends some dude and then um there was another dude too and we all crammed into this car and we headed for the border and um and once I saw those two dudes, I was thinking, oh, man, whatever. Because they were not, they were not c- competition to old G-Man. <laughs> I knew that. So anyhow, we go down there. And uh, at the border, there's a lot of places where you can buy what's called duty-free goods. I think we had this at the Canadian border even. It's basically where you can buy goods without having to pay like the import taxes. Okay. So, just an example, um, I remember you could buy a carton of cigarettes at this place for like 17 bucks. Okay. And yeah, that was, I mean, if you were gonna buy a carton of of cigarettes in the United States, even the, you know, the Liggett 100s (laughs) or Pyramid, right, or Ace or whatever, it was going to be at least thirty eight thirty nine bucks for sure, so that was a really good price, but anyways, I just mentioned that because uh she uh my Erica's cousin she was really cute too this chick, I don't remember her name, but her cousin was smart enough to not park her car or drive her car into Mexico, so we parked in the parking lot of this duty free joint and then we walked into Mexico and just so you know. For anyone who hasn't been, uh, Mexico does not care who or what comes into their country. There's nothing but like a, what are the, a turn gate, a turnstile, I forget what they're called. But Roundabout or whatever? Yeah, it's basically just to prevent people from rushing in like if there was some type of issue in the United States oh, okay. people couldn't just bum rush the border like only a couple people at a time can get through I see but other than that and there's a couple sets of them so it's like a choke point you know mm-hmm. it's just just to prevent people from rushing the border I'd imagine and um, yeah we, uh, we walk into Mexico and I had been to Tijuana quite a few times uh, prior to this um, I'll just keep it 100. I used to go buy dope and uh, prescription drugs down in Mexico because of how cheap it was, and the pharmacist will sell you anything if you've got some greenbacks. Yeah. Um. So I was no stranger to going to Mexico. Um, and I was really familiar with the main drag of Tijuana, like the, the uh, I guess Grand Avenue of Of Tijuana. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And, uh, well, they didn't really want to hang out on the main street of Tijuana. They were taking me to these real. We were going to these, like, downside alleys. And, I mean, I I don't want to sound rude, but it just had a real third world vibe. You know, Mm -hmm. like laundry. Like, think of, like, Aladdin for your, for your <laughs> <Okay>. viewers, right? <laughs> like, the way that that movie looked is a really good comparison of how these alleyways looked. Real you know, ruff like, street
0: rats. Oh,
1: man, big time. I mean, we're talking like six-story slum buildings with laundry across the whole nine, right? Okay,
0: I think that paints a good picture.
1: And I I was obviously very uncomfortable at that point. Um, I was pretty much the only white person there, I mean, I was probably a foot and a half taller than everybody i'm not I'm not exaggerating either I yeah, mean, well, I you're like, relatively
0: tall anyway
1: i I was like a foot taller than everybody there at least,
0: sticking out like a sore thumb
1: right, right, but whatever, I was there with some some Mexicans I mean they were you know u s citizens they were, right you know obviously, but they were Mexicans, I can speak Spanish uh not fluently but enough. They can speak fluent Spanish. So, whatever. I wasn't that worried about it, really. But I was a bit uncomfortable. And uh, so we go to this one club. And it's real interesting in in Mexico because you can smoke indoors. Mm -hmm. Nobody cares. And uh, I remember we were in this dance club. And I was smoking. And I was done. And I was like, where's the ashtray? And uh, somebody looked at me. And they just said, you know, just throw it on the ground. Keep in mind, we're in a nightclub. Right. (laughs) And they said, just toss it on the ground. So I did. And when I did, I looked down and, (laughs) yeah, there were cigarette butts and sunflower seeds just everywhere, right? But anyways, we're hanging out in this club. It's whatever. We get the, the stereotypical Polaroid shot of us, you know. It's it's actually quite fun. And uh, we're drinking shots and just getting tore back. And uh, the girl I'm with, I keep trying to tell her, you know, let's go dance, let's go dance. And she just wants no part of it. But she says, you can go dance. So I said, okay. And I go out on the dance floor, and I'm trying to get a girl to dance with me. And every single one of them, when I go up to them and, you know, start, you know, they just look at me, and they're just like... Right, And again, I'm like way taller than everybody. And I start noticing that a lot of the dudes are kind of.
0: Kind of sizing you up. Yeah,
1: kind of looking at me. I see them kind of talking to each other. And I just go, okay, I need to get the fuck out of here, you know, (laughs) before before I get stabbed or something, you know. So I go back to my table that my chick's at. And she's like, how come you're not dancing? And I said, oh, none of them girls want to dance with me. And uh, she goes, well, you can dance with my cousin. That's fine. I was like, you sure? She's like, yeah. And uh, I go, and I'm dancing with her cousin. And I'm looking around, and everybody is basically just, you know, dry humping each other. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. that's how they're dancing. So I'm dancing with her cousin, and I start, you know, grabbing that booty. And, uh, (laughs) you know, I mean, that's what everybody was doing. She didn't protest to it. She seemed to like it. Mm Mm-hmm and uh, we danced and we went back to the table and uh sure enough, you know, Erica goes, "Hey, were you grabbing my cousin's ass?" And I was like, "Yeah." And she just goes, "Yeah, she's hot. I don't blame you." And she got that whole like, "Yeah, I don't blame you. she's way hotter than me." Kind of added. She didn't say that, but you know that whole That's attitude. The vibe, yeah, you know? and I'm just like, "Oh god, you know." But you know what, man, looking back, it was a fun night. I had a lot of fun. Got way too drunk. Worst decision ever. I remember walking down the streets of Tijuana, vomiting while I'm walking, and, like, these Mexican cops are, like, pointing and laughing at me. So, thank God they didn't decide to hassle me, because I think it actually is a crime to be drunk in public in Mexico. Oh, damn. Um. So, thankfully, they didn't hassle me, and uh, we ended up getting some street food, Another very bad decision. If you've ever heard of Montezuma's revenge. <laughs> yeah. It, it you know, they don't have the cleanest drinking water or the highest in food, food standards. Standard, yeah. Um, luckily, you know, I was kind of a I was a junkie at the time, so I had already kinda had an iron stomach, just the way it goes, I guess. Or maybe I was just always so fucked up I didn't even know I was sick, but anyways um, it was a fun night, and we decided it was time to head back, it was real late, it was like 3 a.m., and we're getting in the big line to cross the border, back into the U.S., most of the people in the line are are Mexican nationals who have green cards, and they go work in the U.S., you know, and uh, I'm standing in line with my chick and her friends, and they all start pulling out their birth certificates and their social security cards and their passports. And I look at my chick and I go, what the fuck? You said I wouldn't need all that. And she goes, you shouldn't. I mean, I have mine, just it's easier to get through with it. And I was like, okay. And, well, the first lady who I went up to to get into the US, the first customs or border patrol agent, whatever you wanna say, she took my ID, and then she's looking at me with kind of a blank face, and she goes, where's your passport? And I said, I don't have it. I thought all I needed was an ID from a border state. And she goes, no, that law changed six months ago. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Man, I bet you were sweating bullets. Oh, man, I was getting real nervous. And I was just like, okay, well, what am I supposed to do? And she goes, well, I would recommend you call somebody that you know in the U.S. and have them bring you your stuff. Because I'm not going to let you through. And I was like, well, what do you mean you're not going to let me through? And she's like, yeah, I'm not letting you through with just an ID. She goes, you can get in line again and maybe... Somebody else will let you through But I'm not going to And I'm looking at my friends And they're all Getting right through right And they're waiting for me I can tell They're they're standing over there looking at me like what And I called Erica And I was like hey they won't let me through So I gotta get back in line And she's going Fuck man well they're ready to all go home And I was like well fuck you guys need to wait yeah they were just
0: gonna ditch you there at the border
1: like well they didn't thank god so I, I get back in line wait and it's a dude and he says the same shit so I don't know what to do at this point I get back in line one more time and the third person who checked me it was another woman I was literally like tearing up, I was freaking out, Mm -hmm. and she must have taken pity on me because she let me through, and uh, yeah, we uh, got in our car, and we drove back up to our neck of San Diego, and uh, I'll just say that since that day, I have never gone to Mexico.
0: Oh, dude, I would have been stressing
1: Oh man, I I was I was definitely very nervous, and you know, before that crackdown, it really was. Well, I shouldn't say crackdown, but before that law change, um, it really was kind of a wild west in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, after my little escapade with those girls, and I guess those people down in Mexico that year. It was something crazy, like 20,000 people were murdered in Tijuana that year. Damn. So, that was not the best decision. Um, You know, my other experience going to Mexico before that law change, it was crazy. I remember walking down the main streets of Tijuana, and there would be doctors... In white lab coats on the streets, and they would see you know Americans and they would go, "Hey uh xanax xanax uh oxy oxy xanax, like come in, come buy drugs, and there would be women practically nude on the streets with just little um, tassels tassels, and saying, "Oh, come on, come in, come in, you can." I don't wanna to get too vulgar, but basically advertising you can do me in any hole you want for the right amount of money. I mean it was crazy. Damn. Yeah, it was not stay away from Tijuana. It's not it's not fun.
0: Not the party it's uh advertised as?
1: No, it's not. I've
0: heard some wild stories from TJ.
1: Yeah, you know, and
0: mostly from you, but also I I've, I've heard some other ones too.
1: Yeah, man. I you know, I was dumb enough when I had first turned eighteen because, you know, the drinking age in Mexico is eighteen. Um, so a lot of people from San Diego would do that, you know, when you turn eighteen you go to Mexico and you get drunk because you can drink in Mexico at eighteen. And I remember me and my high school sweetheart and a couple of buddies went down there together at eighteen years old and I took my girlfriend into the strip club And it was just bad news. One of my friends left his ID at the strip club. And we went to go get it back. And I don't know if you would say we had to bribe them to get it back. Or if they extorted us to give it back. Or however you want to say it. But basically they would not give that ID back. And we ended up having to give them uh, 20 US dollars. And a half full pack of Marlboro cigarettes. Jesus. To get the ID back. Yeah, man, it's scandalous down there. The cops, they'll literally... If you don't bribe the cops right away, they will literally plant coke on you. And not a lot of people know this, and I certainly didn't know it looking back because I wouldn't have done all that stupid shady shit I did, but any drug charge in Mexico is up to 10 years in prison.
0: A Mexican prison.
1: A Mexican prison. Yes, so 10 years in hell. <laughs> yeah. In fact, 10 years of jail in hell. Like if hell had a jail, that would be it. <laughs> Damn.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um one of the stories
1: that comes to mind when I just think about like you and me is uh the Bourbon Street. Oh my goodness, yes. Okay, so we'll talk we'll definitely talk about the Bourbon Street. So when I first moved up here, a friend from high school who had the same uh, issues I had with drugs moved up here, and it did him real well. And uh, we got in touch one night randomly. And and that's ca- why you moved up here, too, right? Right. Right, yeah. Yeah, I moved up here to try to get off of opiates, get off of heroin.
0: Real quick, remind me what his connection to here was. I always...
1: Yeah, so... Or did he just
0: kind of choose here, randomly? No,
1: no, no. He has a history here. He used to come up here every summer with his family. Um, his mom is from Bridger. Okay. Okay. His mom grew up in Bridger. That's his connection to here. Gotcha. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, so a good friend of mine, well, I guess a friend of ours, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, invited me up here, and uh, I was like, sure, sounds great, man. And uh, he actually allowed me to move in with him and his girlfriend at the time. And right when I moved up here, their relationship was already starting to fail. And I think me being there kind of added a lot of stress to that relationship. Sure. So I felt kind of bad about that. But, I mean, it is what it is. Um, You know, Michael has told me that they were kind of on the outs anyways before I even moved up there. So, it is what it is. But anyhow, and something that bothered me too was when they decided to separate, um, they had an apartment together. It was a two-bedroom apartment and I was blessed that they had an extra room and, you know, they, they were that was a very generous offer on both of their parts to allow me to come up there and you know, live rent free until I got on my feet. Um, so long as I was making an effort, you know, sure. to to do good. And anyhow, when they decided that they were gonna fucking call it call it quits, um I guess they decided that me and Michael were gonna leave. And I thought that was really kinda fucked up. Like I get it she's the girl and I'm all about chivalry, like When me and my wife had some turbulence, I was kind of pissed that she left our house. I was like, why did you do that? I would have left for a couple weeks. You know know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But anyways, I was kind of like, you know, well, the way I saw it was, you know, her mom lived literally around the corner from where we were at in that apartment. And I was like, so... We have to leave with no credit, no family here, no, nothing it's high and dry you know you know what I mean? That's kind of how I felt like really like that's kind of messed up. I mean, why couldn't she leave?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, we had a two bedroom apartment right there, you know what I mean, right but whatever, Michael wanted to be you know Mr. chivalry, and I understand you know it wasn't my relationship. I get it. I understand but we didn't have a place to go and like I said I didn't have any kind of credit or rental history he had a little bit but not much I think they'd only live in that apartment for like six months before I'd gotten there but anyways we ended up having to find a hotel to stay at and just because we were two dudes and we were cheap we we decided we wanted to just find the Cheapest place, mm-hmm. the cheapest place that would have Wi-Fi and two bedrooms, or two right. beds. Yeah, two two beds, right? Rooms with two beds, right? Right. And uh, we found one, and it was the Bourbon Street. Um, maybe there'll be some way where we could throw up a picture of it somehow. Because man, these people—it would be great to show people how dingy. This yeah, and it's so weird because
0: it's like not in a really terrible part of town either. It's just that's right. kind of just the the hub for just basically d gens to right. to shack up for for months at a time or weeks at a time. Right. Not I'm... just not to say you guys were d gens, but like that's just like right, the typical the type... crowd that ends up
1: there. Absolutely, I'm surprised they don't charge by the hour. Right. No, they... dude. I <laughs> exactly. I I remember
0: uh, that one tweaker head that was just like kitty corner from your cuz just for a visual for everybody it's one of those like kind of box you know or i guess a uh, squared out yeah like all the y- doors are on the outside a there's u, a u yeah, yeah, shape yeah. there's an upstairs there's a downstairs everything's you know the doors are all on the outside and um on one end were you guys and then if you take the corner just and you can just see it you know you could see the other room just from your room if you looked right. out the window. And there. And I remember I came and picked you up one time, and uh, you were like, hey, man, check <laughs> out this, this dude right here. Because like, there was a little girl like rollerblading or something by, it. he goes, this guy's going to look out the window because cause, uh, he's going to hear this girl. Sure enough, he, she rolls by, and he's just... Yeah, 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 scratching his nose. Yeah,
1: and... I remember uh, you got a kick out of how I said, "You see how he's excessively touching his nose, or excessively scratching his nose?" I can tell he's on something. Yeah, and then <laughs> we we were like, "Let's
0: t- let's put this to the test." Right. When we got back, because of course when we got back and shut our doors, like our car doors, there he was, and I took a video from the window, and you just slamming the right. the, the uh, hotel door,
1: and then. Oh yeah, there I I, I remember it so well, I said, watch man, get ready with the camera, and I'm going to slam the door, and he's going to pop his head right out when I slam the door, and yeah.
0: Bro, tell the story about um when the cops came to the door, and they were looking for, didn't somebody get drugged and raped yes, or something like that? Yes,
1: yes, yes, no, um. It actually wasn't the police, but... Oh, it was management and stuff. Yes. Okay, yes, okay. And so, they suspected you or something, or...? Well, this this is what happened. Oh, they so, were going to
0: order... I remember, I remember.
1: So, uh, yeah, so... And it was perfect timing for management, too, because I had just taken a big ol' swig of Evan W. <laughs> for those who are wondering, Evan W. is uh the generic brand of Jack Daniels they have up here. It's called Evan Williams, but we always just call it Evan W., Bottom shelf. Kind of an inside joke with the whole W but anyways, um Yeah, so I had taken a big old swig. I would always have the Diet Pepsi Yep and the Evan W. Oh, oh, oh you know <laughs> yep. soda boo soda. But I had just taken a few glugs of Evan and a couple big old bong rips. So it was cloudy in there, everything. <laughs> And I get a knock on the door, and it's an aggressive knock, like a kind of knock. Was it
0: was Sodhead there?
1: No, no. Okay. Soad, Soadhead was at work. It was just me. And, you know, I was just sitting there in my boxers getting twisted, basically. And that loud-ass knock comes, and I hear, management, open up. And I thought they were pissed about the weed. Mm-hmm. I thought they could smell the weed. So I was like, fuck. So I, I put the bong down. I put the the booze away, and I was like naked, so I threw on my coveralls, or my overalls without a shirt on, mm-hmm. <laughs> just put the overalls on real quick, and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm getting dressed, hold on, and I opened the door, and I just kind of open it like like a third of the way, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, and just kind of stand. I'm, I don't want them to smell the weed, even though I'm sure they did, and there was management she was kind of a chubby, blonde woman. And there was this uh, sobbing woman who was either uh, native or Hispanic. Not sure. Um, She could have been Filipino, for all I know. I don't know, a dark-skinned lady. Yeah. And uh, she was sobbing, like... <laughs> and she looked... She, like, had a tissue... Like, the whole nine. Fucking tissue, everything. And she, like, looked up looked at me like that and then the manager goes is it him? And she goes no. And then goes back into the tissue and then the manager goes I'm sorry sir have a good day. And I said no problem. And I shut the door like well that was weird right? Yeah. But come to find out what had happened to that poor woman was she had either gotten too drunk or somebody slipped something in her drink or something because uh, they, real quick, they had a bar and casino at this hotel. Yeah,
0: in a separate building. like Right, right it there, wasn't
1: yeah. attached, but it was like just in the same parking lot, they had their own bar and casino, and I guess the woman had been drinking in the bar and casino, having a good time, and she had either gotten too intoxicated or somebody put something in her drink, and they took her back to their room And I guess had their way with her And robbed her Jesus And I guess they afterwards walked her back into the fucking casino And just left her And when she came to A couple people there and told her Hey you don't remember leaving with that guy Blah 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 And the management was just going room to room With her Until they found the dude who did it And then what? And then I, I don't know. It's like,
0: why wouldn't you have involved the police?
1: Right, I don't know. Maybe, Perhaps maybe the woman just said, I just want my money back or sure. whatever they stole. But it's like,
0: what are they going to do? You right. know, I well, guess I, guess,
1: it... I guess the management could have been like, hey, you need to give the shit you took from her back or we're going to call the police. But yeah, the whole thing seems weird. But that gives you a decent idea
0: of what this kind of place was like.
1: Oh yeah, there were people who would fight there every night. Uh, whether physical, verbal, or both. I know you guys, guys had, had like a club that you had for protection. Oh man, we even had, Michael even had like a scimitar.
0: Oh, that's right, that's
1: right. I had the club. That's right. Michael had like the scimitar. It was crazy. <laughs> Speaking of Aladdin, it looked like one of them swords off of Aladdin. Is what it looked <laughs> yeah, like
0: for sure. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, I'm gonna take a quick bathroom break, and then we'll get back to it. Yeah, sounds
1: good. I gotta go too. Actually. Okay, perfect.
0: So I want to kind of. Diverge it a little bit away from just the drug talk I know that's that's what your channel's about, but um there's a lot more to you than just that obviously absolutely um one thing for sure that has always struck my interest about you is you kind of is it safe to say you'd be described as a prepper
1: yeah i I've definitely definitely been uh, awaiting. Uh, national calamity, and I think we're starting to see a lot of the stuff that could potentially could potentially lead to that, and uh, it's almost vindicating because you know a lot of people would treat me like a a kook, right? Mm-hmm. When I would tell them, you know, hey, just wait, there's going to be unrest in the United States, and there could be some type of global disease. We're on the cusp of untreatable pandemics and things like that, and uh, I'll be honest. I don't, well, we can't really talk about the the kung flu. Why not? I don't know. I figured uh, YouTube doesn't really like it too much when we talk about that.
0: I'm on more than just YouTube, but
1: uh, that's true. So and I d-
0: I don't get monetized anyway, so
1: that's true. Well, hey, you know, honestly, I'll say I think this pandemic is a total fraud. Um, but. It's a good example of what could happen, you know. And uh, I, uh, I would say I, I would expect some serious unrest with the with the inauguration of Hyde and Biden. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, I've always been into prepping. Um, if you don't have two million calories for every person in your family tucked away, then I think you're slacking.
0: What well, yeah, what would be your uh like what what's your checklist of things as far as like uh well in, in case the apocalypse were to arrive.
1: Okay, great. Um I'll start just assuming that somebody has absolutely no preparedness going whatsoever. Sure. The priority is always going to be food and water. Food and water is the number one priority. You need dry non-perishable goods like rice uh, white rice preferably Um, beans dry beans I'm not talking canned and canned beans are fine but uh, dried beans lentils and rice Um, water if you don't have access to it following that then I would say you want to get into uh, medications Um, And medical supplies, especially like me, you know, I can't really go and buy a whole bunch of methadone because it's a controlled substance. But, you know, if you're somebody who's a diabetic and you need insulin, um, you can't just go buy insulin either, but you should. There are ways you can make it happen to where you can tuck some back, and I think that's important. After food would be medicine. Then medical equipment like chest seals, bandages, things like that, and self means of self-defense, uh, guns, uh, vests, and uh, really important too is just knowledge, um, know how to grow food, know what grows in your area, what doesn't, um, I like to think long term, sure you, everyone should have, you know, the, I, I forget what FEMA recommends, isn't it, like three days? Food and water or something like that that FEMA recommends. Something like that, yeah. I think it should go way beyond that. I mean I I would say if you don't have six months worth of food for you and every member of your family, including your pets, then that should be that should be high on your priority list.
0: What uh run down I know in the in the ideal world for you, there's a compound involved.
1: Oh yeah. yeah. What
0: give us the vision of what you in a perfect you know scenario, what your situation is, as far as the compound, as far as you know just being prepared
1: right so ready for the end um I think isolation is is the most important thing um better than any physical barrier um and while physical barriers are important um isolation is is key, but not too extreme of isolation and what I mean by that is you know kind of like the situation I have now where I've got you know 20 something acres to me and myself with my family and I'm surrounded by neighbors who also have 20 something acres and you know we know them we're not super close with our neighbors we keep to ourselves but we know each other and I think that that's more valuable than if you were to be in the city and have a big underground bunker Right. Mm -hmm. Um. My dream at my place is I like the isolation that I have. I at first wanted to put up a big wall, like a big fence Mm -hmm. around all of it, with a trench and all that. Yeah, with a trench and all that. But I've come to find out that Montana has some kind of hippy dippy environmental laws that Hmm. are kind of irritating. Like there's big regulations on fences really? here in Montana. I didn't know. Have that. you ever noticed that out in the sticks nobody has a chain link fence anywhere?
0: I guess you're right, huh? Yeah, because it's all you, the chicken wire style.
1: Yeah, because you cannot have chain link fences that are over I think three feet or something ridiculous and I mean what's three feet like that? Yeah. You know? And the reason is they don't want to impact the migration of Deer and elk and turkeys and things like that, but I think it's a little over the top personally, but since fence is out of the question, I'm now focused on um things like coltrops, if you're familiar with what a coltrop is Mm-mm. It's basically like uh you know the game jacks, yeah, yeah, it's like a jack, but it's sharp on all edges. And they're made as an impediment to vehicles, horses, or travel. I do know what you're talking about. Right, right. And even just having a lot of glass bottles on hand to break glass um, just make it difficult for somebody to get through it. And I will say that you cannot do that legally, just so everybody knows I don't have it set up. But I do have Coltrops for if society fails... It doesn't matter what's illegal anymore, you know? Yeah. And I have those ready to go. um, And I'm I'm starting to learn that things like that can actually be even better than a physical barrier like a fence. Because you can put them in a lot of areas and then not put them in some areas. And it allows you ease of movement, but a potential opponent wouldn't have that ease of movement. Right. Um...
0: Let's see, what else was there with that? I thought I had something else I wanted to ask you about.
1: With that. Uh, livestock.
0: Yeah, okay. Well, that's actually a good, a good transition anyway to something else I wanted to talk to you about. Because you alluded to it earlier about uh, homesteading. Okay. So, is that still something that you're planning on doing at some point? Is that something yeah. you're interested? Okay.
1: Absolutely. In fact, I, uh, I was actually going to go pick up two goats. Right. After this podcast today. Um, the wife uh, got cold feet on it. Which is good because we're I didn't think we were ready, but you know, two goats, what's that gonna hurt but you you're know?
0: still you're still like, oh, we're processing asked, it and thinking about yes, it, and oh
1: absolutely in fact, uh we are our current plan now is to just be prepared for this spring to get goats, chickens, and guineas. Hmm. A, gu- a guinea is a a bird it uh it almost looks like a clown because its face is like white. Its eyes have red and its mouth has blue. It's real weird. It looks like a clown. But the reason we want guineas is because they eat ticks. Okay. They're very good at eating ticks. Um a dog. We're going to get a dog. That'd be awesome. Uh, coming this we'll spring. A scoob. Yeah, a Scoob. Yeah, we need a Scoob. Um
0: What kind of dog are you thinking?
1: My uh My wife really wants to go with, like, an Australian Mm. Shepherd-type dog. That'd be a good dog. Yeah, and I I, I concur. I think that's good. We've got the space for it. We've got an energetic little girl who would love to go out there and throw the ball or throw the Frisbee, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, we're real excited. We want to get a garden going this spring. A lot of the things that we wanted to do last year that we didn't get around to doing, we're really looking forward to doing.
0: Right on. That's really cool. Yeah, I I've I remember we've had multiple discussions about all that and and uh I know you you're definitely excited about getting going with that and I've been waiting for for the day that it actually transpires, but you've been moving
1: step by step. So. Right. Right. Um right, we've been fo- we were focused primarily on getting the house right where we wanted it and we're still not even there yet, although we did get the pellet stove going. So, victory on that
0: yeah and you guys I know you just talked about it on one of your latest videos too about how uh
1: the wind man oh yeah dude that that was crazy, yeah, you know I'm not a Montana native, but I'm hearing from you and from my wife that even the natives were like, man, I've never seen wind like that I haven't that was hurricane level wind yeah it was like it it didn't get quite as bad
0: here as it did where you're at, but I've I saw pictures of semi trucks toppled over. Oh yeah, and it was pretty intense. I don't know what where that uh came from exactly, but
1: yeah, you know, um, I'm gonna have some real interesting footage on my story time when I upload it. Um, a tree fell and blocked our driveway. I had to get out there with the handsaw. Damn, and literally move it bit by bit. Um, a tree. Uh, fell and broke off a part of our deck.
0: Damn. Um, that filing Was it bad, or is it, like, fixable?
1: Yeah, I think I'm going to be able to fix it. Um, we had a filing cabinet up on our deck for our daughter to put her toys in, and I had a few gardening tools and extension cords, things like that in it. I mean, it literally picked it up and threw it. Dude, good thing it didn't
0: smash right into your house.
1: Right, right. And, uh, you know, what's funny is... Uh, I bought my daughter a trampoline for her sixth birthday. And the night before those winds came, uh, my wife called me at work and said, hey, um, before you come home, make sure if you're, if you get the chance, well, she said, don't come home basically without some stakes for the trampoline. Mm-hmm. And Boy, we got lucky that she. Is it like a big trampoline? Yeah, it's a big one. Yeah, it's. Oh, dude, that would have been gone. It's it's a fourteen footer. That would have been gone. Yep. And we actually saw multiple pictures of trampolines that one of them was stuck on a highway road sign. It was like impaled. Oh my god. On a highway road sign. So yeah, I'm very glad that my wife said, "Hey, you need to get some stakes." Did uh? Do you have home insurance? Yes well, that should cover the deck then um I think so, and uh since if, it was uh, caused
0: by a natural
1: a natural disaster yeah. yeah um if uh if it's beyond uh just needing some new screws and whatnot, I will definitely call on that, but I haven't messed with it just because i don't I don't know how bad it it is in terms of fixability, sure um
0: I mean, it still might be worth having somebody come look at it. Right,
1: right, exactly. But that's one of the reasons I haven't messed with it. Right. You know what I mean? Um, And I've been waiting for a good time to get some footage of it. Uh, Usually when I get home after work, it's dark. And usually when I leave for work, it's dark. So I haven't had a good chance to get pictures, but today I'm going to. And I might even be able to upload some footage from uh, that my wife took during the day of the trees in that wind. Oh, I can't. And they were just like. I mean, there were some that were like.
0: Well, the fact that there's so many dead trees from the fire, because there was fire in your, you
1: know, right before you moved there, right. And well, what's what's crazy, man, is we had, I think, a total that we know of, four trees come down. Damn. Every one that came down, it was not a burned or sickly one. It was a totally healthy looking tree
0: I guess it kind of makes sense though because you know they have more stuff like more leaves weight yeah yeah, yeah that's yeah. true that's it. and
1: more to catch the wind with that's very true I didn't even think about that um, we got lots of firewood though oh for sure <laughs> yeah I, I mean none of that's going to waste right it makes me wish I had a wood burning stove in my house not just my apartment but at least
0: it's still it's hey
1: it's still good wood right hell yeah um
0: another thing just throughout knowing you you've always been the type of guy that's had different hobbies or or picked up something different and just ran with it like not not just you know a little bit but you go fucking balls deep right, into yeah. whatever it is that you're into
1: very true uh. just
0: to list off a few f- that I can winemaking one of my favorites because I got involved in that too. I yep. really enjoyed that. That was a lot of fun. Oh yeah, for sure.
1: Cans. Oh yeah. Collecting cans and <laughs> yeah. Um, fish. Oh yeah, <laughs> I almost <laughs> forgot about that one. Yes, I had an aquarium in my house. Yeah. Dude, yeah,
0: you had some big old fish, but you were like way into it. You know, like yeah. I
1: think at one time, uh, I think we had like six fish tanks. Mm-hmm. And you knew like everything about them oh yeah the breeds what they were and I actually successfully bred yep freshwater fish I was so excited about that
0: uh, let's see what else Um. what else I know there's plenty more yeah Um. oh chick you know coop. chickens yeah
1: but that was like an, the early stages of the homesteader phase mm-hmm. yep Um. yeah now I'm drawing a blank too what else was there and always, yeah. God. Those were the big ones. Sure, those were the big ones. Um, gold. Go, yep, gold. Gold. Yep. Gold and, and silver. silver. Yeah. Um, guns. Guns. There we go. Yep. 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 <laughs> uh, but it's like
0: it's almost like when you get your mind fixated on on something.
1: I gotta know everything about it. And
0: and yeah, you're just all about it for you know months at a time. Right. And I want to say this real quick, just because of that, don't let that happen with your channel. You know what I mean? Right. The biggest thing about content creating is you have to stick to it or else it'll never take off.
1: Consistency, right? So
0: don't let this just be a phase that fades out, you know what I mean? Right. Cuz it's not hard to, you know, it just takes a little bit of time, that's it.
1: I thought of another one, fitness.
0: Yep. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> there's it's there's all kinds of stuff like that, but yeah, don't let it happen to your to your channel cuz
1: Right. No, I I I know what you mean and uh I'm a I'm a Leo. But, same but i'm a laid back leo we're,
0: we're our birthdays are 3 days apart
1: right 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 i in, mean obviously not in year but right right no you're uh you're a pretty laid back leo too cuz most leos aren't very laid back they're very uh outgoing and well i think we're both pretty outgoing but i i guess i don't know exactly what i'm trying to say is a lot of leos i meet seem to be like the real mm, kind of i got kind of people the
0: the posturing
1: and top guy Peacocks. Attitude. Yeah. Right, right,
0: right. I feel ya.
1: But yeah, um... Remember when we would go to Grizzly Gold and Silver mm-hmm. every Tuesday and yep. buy a couple new pieces of silver and I would count them and weigh them out we'd inventory them. Man, that that was a lot of fun. I, I remember the wine nights. Frickin... That was fun too, man. The strawberry mango wine. Yep, and um... It was just fun to learn
0: how to do it and just right. doing the process. We'd go get the fruit and Right. It was a lot of fun just like planning all that stuff and then Right. And then we'd when we were done with that we'd make a dinner and it was usually a very decadent dinner.
1: Right, yeah. We yeah, it was uh it was a lot of fun, man, and uh going back to what you said about how I go balls deep with stuff is you know, I can remember something a couple people said. I remember one time your mom said, uh, you you told me that in reference to me, she said, oh, he's always got something going on. For sure. Yeah. And uh, I remember uh, one of uh, Michael's roommates when I lived in the back house, um, Eric, he was, I remember he was like, man, you're the only person I've ever met that's like, Hmm, I want to get into having chickens, and then next week it's like there's a coop you made and chickens in it, like right. <laughs> like
0: it's not just talk; it's
1: it's there's action involved too. Um, and I don't think my channel is just going to be a phase because I really enjoyed it. You know, for sure. I've, I've already got fans. That sounds so weird to say, right? Mm-hmm. Or oh, subs. For sure. I guess subs is a better way to say it to not seem so arrogant, but. Yeah, it's, it's it's interesting, man. I've really enjoyed it.
0: Right. Well, and, and you also with the channel aim at, you know, promoting recovery. Like that's the real end game goal, right? Is to like promote recovery, tell people they're not alone. Right. Yeah. It's I, basically it's not tr- um how yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I would want to describe it.
1: I would say that my main goal on my channel is for people to know what they're getting into before they get on methadone. Mhm. And for people to know that if you're on methadone, you can still live a completely normal life. I mean I was an EMT on yeah. methadone. Oh yeah,
0: that's another thing I wanted to bring up is that you
1: you uh do you are a certified EMT? Well my certification actually expired this year. Okay. But you were but I have been, yeah. I've been a nationally and state licensed and certified uh, EMT basic yeah and the, and and like you said you did that while
0: while being prescribed methadone
1: yep on the dome and, and in the zone <laughs>
0: <laughs> um one thing i want to start asking guests and i'm going to start i'm hopefully i can remember i have the worst memory that i know but i'm going to start asking every guest This might be a pretty easy question for you, considering the subjects we've talked about today. What is the biggest um, challenge you've faced in your life, or the biggest challenge you've overcome, I want to say?
1: Not losing my mind when I thought I was getting divorced, if you recall that. That Mm -hmm. was pretty heavy on me, but I... Made it through that, barely. Um, I would say the hardest thing I've ever overcome would be getting out of the junkie mindset. Like, I might still be on methadone, but just not obsessing over that lifestyle. You know the habits. I mean? right. Right. right, that was...
0: All the everything that comes along with it,
1: right, right. Um, another thing too, I guess that would be very difficult for me would be, uh, believe it or not, with how cocky I can sound sometimes, I actually used to really struggle with uh, self-esteem. Okay, I was kind of a weird kid. I was the kind of kid who like always would lie, like habitually lie about shit. You know what I mean? Like, just to impress people or try try to impress people or fit in, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it took me a long time to become comfortable with myself. And I don't think it really even happened for me until I was about 22, 21, 22. Um, when I was on dope, I didn't really care about it. But um, I guess being comfortable with myself. I don't know why. I'm A lot of people who have that that trouble, I've noticed, really don't have a reason to, you know? um, I can think of a couple friends. I don't want to burn them out, so I'm not going to say who, but, you know, it's a friend that you know, too. Okay. And it's like uh, this person, they just kind of like... I don't want to sound rude by saying this, but they always go after, like, the the kind of fat, ugly girls and you know, they just kind of sit in their room and do nothing, have no social life when, like, you know, this person is he's a a great guy, he's smart, he's got, like, a fucking eight-inch dick so I don't (laughs) understand why the whole, you know, confidence with curls things exist, but you know, I, uh, I see why a lot of people who struggle with self-esteem or confidence, a lot of them don't even really have any reason to feel that way. So that was hard to overcome, and you know, I feel real in touch and secure and and good about myself now. But either it's either the self-esteem or just getting out of the junkie mentality.
0: Okay, so part 2 of the question sure for anybody listening that might be dealing with either of those issues
1: what did you do to overcome that you know this is going to sound this probably isn't what people are going to want to hear if they are struggling with those problems but um just it just kind of came with uh, with age and maturity i suppose Okay. Because I can't really think of a specific event or a specific mindset that I adopted. The aha moment, right? Exactly. They just kind of fell into place, and I I think that's really common too. I think a lot of people who habitually lie as kids do grow out of it. You know, sure. Yeah, yeah with with the channel or with, with the podcast.
0: I mean, I've been trying to aim you know at least po- portions of it toward promoting you know uplifting message, positivity. Because life's a garden, man. you got to dig it. Right, So, yeah,
1: Absolutely. Um, I've been I,
0: trying to hammer home the, the, you know, you're the master of your universe. You can, like, only you have the power to control your world.
1: Absolutely. I would say one good piece of advice that I can give when it comes to that is I always look for humor. Right? That's always good. What is the saying? Laughter is the best medicine, right? For sure. I don't entirely agree with that, but it, it sure does help a lot. Agree. Um, and something that I'll do and you'll know, you'll you know a light bulb in your head knowing me is I always get a kick out of uh over articulation. Mhm. And uh dark comedy right like yes like uh remember like joking about oh now the scoob has gastroenteritis because you're a neglectful dog owner the dog is now a ward of the state you know <laughs> what i mean like things like that like that's a very negative thing but you know it can't be funny right right <laughs> it, for sure it, it can be funny absolutely and i've noticed that about our generation is uh it's almost like uh, tragedy is the new comedy, you know? Like, look at Bo Burnham. Oh, yeah. There's a, that's like textbook uh, tragedy is comedy type humor that our generation seems to just lap up.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, and I feel like the current generation has lost the ability... Like, um, not all of them, obviously, but the, a high majority have lost the ability to even understand humor
1: oh the snowflakes yeah
0: yeah and it's like that's it's insane what like comedy and humor affect to the mindset and just to just your everyday life in general if you don't have a sense of humor and person you know that's gonna highly affect your personality and the way that you view
1: the world oh yeah no, you know i i you gotta have a thick skin I'm the kind of person where I think everyone has a sense of humor. It's just a matter of where is it.
0: Sure. Okay. That's fair.
1: Maybe not everybody. There's definitely some hard asses out there. For sure. Um. Speaking of hard asses, looking back on the Nani's days, Okay. who was your least favorite person to work with? I don't want to name names. You don't got to name drop, but just explain the person that you think was the most like the most what's the most difficult type of person to work with i'll say that hmm
0: somebody who takes well that's hard to say
1: yeah it would be a lot easier if we could name drop but well i, I was
0: going to say somebody who takes it too seriously but that's not the sign of a bad worker or right. or manager i guess somebody who can't
1: have fun on the job
0: for one for one yeah or somebody who can't you know see things other than the dollar
1: right i see what you're saying okay yep where it's like the bottom line is all yeah that matters. yeah
0: like this is this is still yep. a job full of people who have souls
1: yeah and yeah absolutely Absolutely.
0: I mean I'll name I'll definitely name drop for you after we Oh yeah. Uh, oh
1: yeah. No, we totally will definitely. But hey, I know I feel you, bro. I don't like to name drop on my channel either. I feel you. Well,
0: I think we're reaching the end here, man. Um, any closing things you want to say to everybody or I know we can go ahead and promote your channel again.
1: Um I mean, I just want to say I really enjoyed this. Um we're definitely going to have to do a part 2. 100%. A lot to talk about. Some other stuff. There's. I wish we had even more time. I don't even want to stop yet. But I'm sure it's getting to be about that time. Um, You know. I guess. uh, I guess I just wanted to say uh, thank you for having me on for one. Yes, of course. Thank you very much. Um, And uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun. Um, If you like my storytelling, check out my channel, Reflections of a Junkie, on YouTube. Even if you don't like it, go sub. It'll boost my ego a bit like it needs any boosting. But, um, yeah, you know, and any of my viewers, make sure you, if you sat through all this, and I'm I'm sure you're digging it, make sure you sub to Life's a Garden. And, uh, yeah, everybody have a great day. Keep rocking it. Um, if you're having trouble with opioid addiction and you're wondering is methadone right for me, um, I can't answer that for you. But if you take a look at my library, um, it'll give you some type of reference. And anybody who's struggling with addiction, even if it's not opiate addiction, um, that's just what I have the most knowledge in, relatability in. But uh, feel free to email me at reflections of a junkie at gmail.com one word reflections of a junkie at gmail.com
0: right on and we will leave a link in the description for everybody who wants to go check out that channel I, re- I highly recommend it I enjoy it I listen to every video uh, it's very entertaining even though it's not my world and if it's not your world either it still might be educational for you and something that you can uh, learn from too so um, thank you very much man for being on the show appreciate it we will definitely 100% have you back on Because I know there's plenty more stories to tell.
1: Oh, yeah. And thank you for having me on. This was awesome.
0: Right on, man. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening. Make sure to like, share, subscribe. Um, Be good to yourselves. And don't forget, life's a garden. Dig it.